we never as a band got busted for for you know crimes against humanity or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> we did have a we did have a tour bus driver who quit touring after us <laughs> you finished him off we we don't know what we did okay Uh-oh. we can't figure it out hi this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we, we drew, drew the map. map. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Curious Creatures. Welcome our special guest this evening, Pepper, Pepper Somerset of Thrill My Life. Is this still my life with the Thrill Kill Cult? It is still my life with the Thrill Kill Cult, but you know, just TKK for short. TKK, I like that. TKK. Yeah. Because it's a lot to say. So where are you? You're in New York City? Yes, I'm in Manhattan. Okay. that's not, not, Now, you live in LA, right? Well, I used to live in Los Angeles. I'm from here. Well, I was actually, I was born in Pittsburgh, but I moved here a thousand years ago. A thousand okay. years ago. Yeah. And then because of a job I had at the time, I ended up in Los Angeles. Which is your favorite, L.A., New York? New York. Yeah. New York, 100%. Okay. Why is that? I just, the city has like a life to it, you know? Yeah. Right. And I like it because it's a lot more honest and grittier. And the people, we get a bad rep. People think that we're all mean, but we're just busy. We just have things to do. <laughs> so we, we just yeah. like to ask us a question. We answer you and then we're done. It's just like Berlin, really. Sounds just like Berlin, only they really are like, you know, gritty. And- yeah. Or Paris. Paris is the same. I lived in Paris for a year and it was a bit like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, the first place I ever came to in America I was 21 and I came to New York and mm-hmm. I liked a lot of aspects of it. I have a love-hate thing with it. You know, sometimes I really, really, really like being there and sometimes I don't, you know. Do you do you remember where you stayed, Lol? Where did you stay when you, when you first went to New York? Somewhere around Central Park. I remember that because I remember going over to Central Park and we made this little art film with, with Maddie and Simon and Robert and me jumping off those big boulders that are in the middle of the park you know oh yeah i know those and it was a long time ago because it was super eight i remember we were playing the gig at the uh or what's that place uh oh oh god i can't remember the name of it now big theater up on the on the side of the park further up um we were staying at the mayflower hotel which used to overlook the park right right on the square there that's that was a nice hotel and i thought oh well i'll do like that thing you know i'll just go on like warm up and have a quick run around the park yeah. or sound check. Yeah. Did you get lost? I was gone for two hours. <laughs> yeah, you got lost in the park, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the Beacon the Beacon Theatre, that's what we were playing. I oh, think, right, yeah. the Beacon, okay. Oh, yeah, the Beacon is great. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, the Beacon is very great. I love it there. I played I played the Beacon uh, 2011 because we did uh, the, the Curious Reflections tours there, but we, we didn't stay in the Mayflower. We stayed somewhere. Well, the Mayflower was a place that had, like, huge rooms for no money. Right. You know, and people... That's a bit worrying in, in New York 
huge rooms for no money. It, it yeah. didn't last very long. It was the last yeah. of the big hotels that you could get right. cheap rooms. I know. Yeah, that does not happen anymore, uh, unfortunately. I we used to stay. We used to stay on Gramercy Park at the Gramercy Park Hotel. Oh yes, which is now um, been remodeled by uh, what's his name, uh, the guy who did the the Royalton Hotel in New York big designer anyway but the Gramercy's like apartments very swish now you, yeah, it's yes. not, not like it was back in the day right. when you got personal with the cockroaches you know what I mean <laughs> oh, yes yes I do remember that I do remember that I don't know I mean for me I think you know the love of a place it comes if you feel loved in a place you know if you feel love coming from the people that are there mm-hmm. then you like it you know I mean I, I moved to LA in '94. I've been coming back with some forwards for years, but I just got a lot of love. I, I felt I didn't feel like a lot of people feel when they they come here that you know they're either going to be discovered or or they're going to be destroyed. You know, or both of those things happen to them. You know, it, it wasn't like that for me. I, right. I felt I plugged right in into into a community of people, different artists, different musicians, and. It, it just felt like home almost immediately. So that was really good for me. And I, you know, you say like you, you love New York. I, I understand that because, you know, when you mm. plug into a place and you identify with it, right. then it, it, it becomes you, you know, was that, that was the case for you, right? Yes. I mean, I think people have a certain personality that just meshes well with certain places. So you're more successful there. Right. You know, you get along better. You find, um, a group of people who you can be closer with or more creative with and you know you build a support system throughout that were you were you in uh, in New York right through did you have, like have the the two-year lockdown period is that where you were yes yes were you, were you loved did you feel it was it cool was it okay no it was fine um i you know basically stayed in touch with people we you know we didn't go outside for months and <laughs> <laughs> like literally it, you ordered your food you know the groceries they come they leave it outside of your door you say leave it there you throw yeah. like you throw a tip out the door and go just go away let me grab cuz you've got you've got a tip haven't you yeah. no matter what otherwise they'll just just smash the door down yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But in all fairness, you know, like these delivery people were, you know, they're the ones out in the stores, like being exposed to everything yeah, yeah. all day long and traveling all over the city. So how is it now, uh, Pepper? I mean, are people like blatantly just not wearing masks everywhere? Is it back to kind of some kind of normal or? It's it's getting back. Yeah. We had the mask mandate dropped a, a while ago now. I do believe it's been a while. Um, but you know, people still get tested all the time. You know, they get their shots, they get their boosters and everybody posts about it. I just got my new booster today. Like it's like booster party. (laughs) So, but yeah, people are still careful, but you know, I usually stay around the same group of people. So there's not like a lot of outside interaction to get anything. And I actually, I actually, I had COVID in the beginning. I had it and didn't even know that I had it until I took an antibody test months later, and then I was chock full of antibodies. So. Wow. Apparently I am as well now, full of them. Got too many, apparently. Yeah, some to spare. 
I, I'm sure. I feel, I'm, I'm not sure if I feel good or or, or just full of antibodies. You know, I, I think I feel changed. Really, it makes it makes you a superhero. Yeah, it could be. Well, I am. I mean, I mean, I felt that anyway. You know, like I'm just. I mean, I mean, just living here in Berlin. You know, it's. You just feel either you either feel like part of the fabric or a complete alien. Um, I'm mostly an alien. Mm-hmm. It's is that the language barrier or or is it people barrier? No, the language barrier is great. You know because I okay. don't have to hear the rudeness of Berlin people. You know. Okay. okay. When because the, the Germans tell you stuff, you know they're always telling you no, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> but I but I don't hear it. It just wafts over me. Is is New York still pretty shouty? We're always shouty. Yeah. We're we're loud. We're very loud. We're very loud people, and we don't realize how loud we are until we hear someone else being loud. Yeah, and they're like, "You're like, am I that loud? Do I do I speak like that? Am I scaring people?" <laughs> <laughs> Some people scare people. I mean, I I kind of like it now because you know I've got hearing loss from you know all of this yes. very loud music for forty years. So um, I like people that shout a little bit at me because then I can actually hear what you're saying. Yes, and that's that's fine. Pepper, guess what, what? What drew you to the stage? It's fun. <laughs> I won't lie; it's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very, very fun. Um, and I, I also, I like the energy. I like the excitement of it. I like to see, to look out in the crowd and see people smiling and dancing and having a great time. Yeah. You no, know, and something that moves people. You know. Yeah. It's it's a great feeling, and it's a great feeling to be up there. It's a great feeling to make other people have a great feeling. So first first gig, what was the first time you felt that? Oh, probably when I was a little kid. Yeah, because I was always in choir classes, and I took I started in choir classes when I was about seven years old, and you know taking the lessons from the teachers. So I started taking voice lessons really young. And doing shows there, and you know, you would do the ones in your school, and your parents yeah. would come, and, and oh, you were so good, you, my little angel. <laughs> but yeah, so I never really, I never really gave it up. I remember doing like uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, you know, sort of mock operas at, at that age, you know, and getting up there. Mm-hmm. Loved, I love dressing up. Yeah. I love dressing up for a start, so that was. Oh, still do, still do, mate. <laughs> yeah, still do. And and that time I had a soprano voice, not a basso profundo. It was fun and it was good. And I, I don't know about you. I've never had stage fright. It's like a psychopathic sort of um, reaction. I get out there and my heartbeat goes down. It doesn't go up. It's not like, oh, I'm scared to be out here. It's like I'm relaxed out right. there. Do, do you feel like that? You feel relaxed in front of an audience, yeah. you know, because. That's where that your home is, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I feel I I feel pretty comfortable. Um, the only person I worry about screwing things up is to myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also figure, why have stage fright when you walk down the street every day and ten thousand people see you? Right. You know, you get on the subway and there's hundreds of people sitting there, and then you walk into mm. this space and everybody just kind of looks up, but you don't think of it. You know, unless they kind of keep staring at you, and then you think, then you get off at the next stop, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) And then they follow you, and then you know, it's the whole thing. When I was a kid, 
the one thing that really made me want to, you know, get into music was my sister. She's nine years older than me, and she brought home a record, which is my favorite song on earth. She brought home Benny and the Jets. Oh, wow. And you know, when he hits the keys and then it stops and you hear that crowd, and you hear like the little applause. I said, I want to hear that every day. I want that job so I can walk on a stage and hear that every day. Hear that crowd go wild. I think that's the best description I've ever heard of the magic of being on stage. That's, That's great. Even though it's about rage, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's fine. It's pretty magical. Yeah. I think everybody should do it. <laughs> yeah, some, some people would literally faint if they had to do it, you know. I mean, that brings me to our, our next topic that we always discuss here on Curious Creatures. We've, we felt socially awkward as teenagers, so... Getting out here and doing something and, or banging something or strumming something or whatever it is, you know, was was our way to feel like halfway normal, you know? Mm-hmm. So do, do you, can you identify with that at all? I don't think I was, my friends and I, we weren't socially like awkward. We were a social outcast. We were like, <laughs> I grew up in Pittsburgh and we were all just like crazy punks and new wave kids running the streets of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Oh, right. so you, you scared you scared everybody. Yeah, we, yeah, go. we really did back then. Yeah. They got they got kind of used to it. They figured, well, we're not going anywhere, so we're just gotta deal with these crazy kids running around the city, yelling and screaming with their crazy haircuts and combat boots. And when when did you leave Pittsburgh? Then did you did I mean, how did you meet up with the Thrill Kills? So how I met them, I actually was in Pittsburgh when I met them. They played at a club called Metropole. Um, I can't remember what year it was. But we, my friends and I were in the parking lot and getting something out of her car. And I see this big, huge guy with all these muscles and a bass come walking by. And he's like... That's Levi. Yes, it was Levi. And I was like, hey. He's like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. And we started talking, and um, I don't know how the conversation turned to this, but I was like, yeah, you toured with a friend of mine. And he's like, who? And I go, um, Al Jurgensen from Ministry. I met him like years ago. You know, we keep in touch whenever he's around, and I'll go to the shows and hang out with the, you know, and have a drink or whatever, and super cool person. And he, he's like, oh, you know Al? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, come have a drink with us. And I'm like, okay. So (laughs) we started hanging out. We became very good friends over the years. I would see them whenever they were here in New York. Um, And then I ended up going out to Los Angeles for a job that I had at the time. And Buzz had moved out there. And um, he would have, he would invite me over for, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or barbecues and things like that. And one day he says to me, I remember we were standing in his kitchen and he says to me, so we had a band meeting the other day. And I go, okay, that's nice. What are you telling me for? He goes, it was about you. (laughs) I I go, what do you mean it was about me? And he goes, well, 
one of the other singers, one of the bomb gang girls, that's what the ladies in the band are called, called the bomb gang girls. Yeah. Um, she, she's, you know, leaving, she's moving away. And we decided that you're going to be the new bomb gang girl. And he hands me a stack of CDs and some papers with lyrics on them. And he goes, you have a couple of weeks to learn these, pack your bags, you're going on tour. (laughs) And I just looked at him and I go, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, I'm completely serious. You're in the band now. And I was like, yes, hot damn. Yay. So, (laughs) (laughs) and then he says, oh, by the way, you've got to pick a name. And I go, Tracy. And they go, no. (laughs) I go, why not? He goes, we don't use our name, our real names. You have, you need your thrill kill cult name. And I couldn't think of anything. And he goes, you need to come up with something now because we have to like start getting things ready. <laughs> and I thought, you know that, that joke how they say, how would you come up with your porn name? You would take mm. your, your dog's name and the street you grew up on. My dog's name was Pepper. I grew up on Somerset Street mm. and now I'm stuck with this forever. <laughs> <laughs> The show that they were doing when we, I think the Banshees, uh, Thrill Kill played, opened for us for a few shows, certainly in, in Chicago. I remember, I think we were all drinking. We're a lot of fun. Yeah. We're a lot of fun on the road. I think they had a bar on stage at this point. <laughs> they had this kind of co- cocktail bar. Right. Like there's the two, yeah. two female singers uh, were at the cocktail bar. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I just joined them? Yeah. But- um, and still playing you know, whilst the band while you're playing. Well, the band were playing. The band mm-hmm. were on. We, you know, I joined. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Okay. So I didn't actually join them to play. I just joined <laughs> them at the bar <laughs> on stage. On stage. I'm not sure that was a great idea. Wow, that sounds like fun. Well, it was good fun. I I remember it would been pretty good fun. I I, I forgot that I had a show to do afterwards. Ah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we used to have a a daily cocktail. On tour you know because like when when a tour started to get big big you know you take your own catering right so had our own catering and they would make like buckets literally like big mm. huge buckets of of this the daily cocktail you know whatever it was that day oh it changed yeah it changed every day it was a different one and they would bring out this the bucket halfway through sound check right and Everybody just stop playing, <laughs> stop doing the lights, stop doing the sound, come to the stage, get your daily cocktail. And of course, that was the end of sound check. You know, it didn't carry on after that. So Straight to the bucket. Yeah, straight to the bucket, the bucket of cocktail. <laughs> Pepper? Yes. Rituals, rituals, pre, pre-show rituals, the bucket? We probably have more like a wheelbarrow of cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> Any stu- any superstitions before you went on? Mm, no, not really. Mm-mm. No. No, just go out and don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just use yeah, go on, have a blast, do a good show, run around like insane people, and just have a really good time. How how many are people on stage at, at one time? Um. Well, let's see from. 2006 to 2009 it was buzz groovy levi justin our drummer myself and brett so 
I think it was only about five of us at that time. But I remember going to shows before I was in the band and there would be like a stage full of people and all kind of like crazy backdrops. And, you know, it was, it was a show. So yeah, we've like tapered it down over the years. It was get. I think everybody's show kind of got gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until you come to a point when you go, hang on, how many people have we got on stage? Yeah. And who, yeah. who's paying for all of this? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the the thing I have this theory as well, though. You know, any less than three, right? Everything has to be really, really done well because everybody notices any more than three it's like four-way stops you know when you're driving uh-huh. here right nobody can count past two on a four-way stop <laughs> you know they, they think no it was me next no it was no it was me so if you have more than three people people don't notice when there's a mistake you know because you can just sort of you know pretend that you know, so but under three yeah that's very true there, there's enough enough other people to distract exactly from under whatever, three yes. you got to be very very careful yeah yeah is, have you got uh, is there a um one song uh pepper that you think okay here comes that song is have you got one of like the one that um, you like keeps you on your toes or because it's hot i love that song because it's hot because it's hot yes what happens it's just like this full out crazy like I'm running around, I'm screaming, I'm like down on my knees and it's just, it's just fun. And it's like, it's one of my favorite songs Yeah. anyway. And then for me, when they asked me to join the band and I get to sing it to me, it's like, oh, wow. wow. So you'd, you'd seen it, you'd seen other people performing it and thought, okay, I can yes. do that. that. That's what I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And to sing the parts that the other girls used to sing, it's like, I have to go all out and make them proud, you know? So it it's very it's very good and very cathartic to do. I love that. I, it's, it's something that you and I share then. Because, lol, you started The Cure. You were there at the beginning. Right. Whereas I, I joined The Banshees, you know, after second, what, second album. Mm-hmm. And so it really was that you knew that somebody had gone before you and you had to kind of adopt what had already gone. I did it with the slits as well. Right. So mm-hmm. I knew what Palmolive did and knew the band were crazy, but you had to jump in there and like, try and bring yourself into it as well. Mm-hmm. And there were some songs that, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, I really want to play. Mm-hmm. I want to play that one. Exactly. You know, because I knew the Beatles and the Banshees did a version of uh, Helter Skelter. Right. And I think that was something they'd been doing from the beginning. I just knew it. So it was a bit like when we did a Dear Prudence. I mean, I knew that song from the Beatles' White Album. Which was an amazing version. Oh, thank you. You guys did. Oh, my gosh. I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> I just think it's incredible. Yeah, it's very good. Well, it, see, it's weird because we got, you know, Robert Smith played the guitar and the harpsichord mm-hmm. on that song because he was, like, in that rendition of... of of the band, so it's kind of where our lolonized paths yeah. really kind of they cross so much yeah. that we lost each other. Yeah, exactly. we nicked, we got, we we stole. Yeah. 
So speaking of the G word, goth. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you guys. Yeah. You know, the Cure and Susie, they're like godfathers of goth, and yeah. do you like being called goth? Or because I always <laughs> said, no. I said, you know, what? Yeah. no. They're 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 like dark new wave post punk bands. Uh, How do you see it? Lol, you've you've been reading and you've been writing <laughs> about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just writing a book about all of that. Oh, that's exciting! So we're going to find out about it. Yes, and the book's uh, the book is actually called Gothic. So um, the answer is in there. Actually, I finished the, the bit that was about that. The answer to your question. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I can't wait it, to read it. Are you keeping? Are you keeping it close to your chest? Well, I think I have to. Otherwise, the publisher's going to get a bit upset. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but but I do answer that question. Yes, for sure. Okay. We were kind of we were gothed out. We got we got uh, somehow. I just looked. I finally look at the photographs that we did on the inner sleeve of Juju. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, Juju wasn't intended in any way to be a you know a concept or a dark album. We just turned out that way as mm-hmm. our albums tended to yep. do. But, you know, with songs like Night Shift and what else would be on the uh, Into the Light. Um, but I just remember that we, it was, I remember the photo shoot being like really dark. Like, and normally it wasn't normally that dark. And we had like velvet and a and red velvet chair and things like that. And I think Severin was wearing a little crucifix. Oh. Yeah. For no, not not for any kind of metal reason or Black Sabbath right. reason, of course. It was, you know, proper like a sort of Christian mother of pearl crucifix, mm-hmm. you know, like del- delicate. He didn't have his um his skull topped cane with him that time. No, that came later. It's almost like the you know the Halloween esque thing came later, and we had like. Roadies coming on with ske- like dressed in skeleton oh, yeah, suits. That. Yes, because yeah. that's when Susie dislocated yeah. her knee. And we had to continue the tour, and it went right through Halloween. Yeah. And so she did come on with a walking cane, right. with a little white. Yeah. And it was like a what do you call it? Ivory skull's head. Totally yeah. wrong, but you know, somebody bought it. I think Severin bought it for yeah. her. And and of course, she was led to the central spot on the stage where she sat. Unable to move for the whole of the gig. Quite a strange yeah. tour. Wow. Yeah. Remember it well. But did we think we were. No. I mean, we it, the, the goth term was then kind of pushed your way. Uh, you know, yeah. Like, you you kind of got that stamp put on you. And we kept sort of moving away as let it go past. And you're like, <laughs> no, no. And of course, then there were bands queuing up to be goth. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. You must have mentioned a few of those. I've mentioned all of them. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> you know. um, yeah, I name names and uh, and uh, you know I take no prisoners in it, so don't worry. Try, somebody tried to label you. You just kind of avoid the label and come right. back with make something up. Yeah, psycho, psycho gothability. Yeah. Well, people always used to say to us in the in the early days, that, you know, especially like in places like Holland or whatever, you know. So what are you? You know, what kind of music are you? Are you punk or are you? You would say, we cure music. That's what we play. We play cure music. Are you, are you going to be putting together some kind of 
memoir of your journey so far any point are, are you are you you mean like my life with my life with the thrill kill cult yeah there you go there's a title <laughs> right there i like that yes you know i always have friends saying to me oh you should really write a book you should really you know put all these like crazy experiences you've had into writing but i go you know what you're my friend's you remember more of it than I do because you know, <laughs> yeah. like you just, yeah. you just go on about your day and like nothing is very odd to you because it's just it's your day. the things yeah. that you do. Right. So other people see things that you don't really notice. So I said, why don't you guys all chip in and help me make this book? Ah, uh, that's a, a nice way of doing it. Yeah. Bring your friends in. Do you, do you, did you, keep journals at any point do you keep a journal no i did not i never even no. thought of it at the time you know you're just like this little punk walk kid running around and having fun and going to concerts and you don't think to write these things down yeah no at all i certainly but, didn't i certainly didn't you're right yeah is there anybody that you used to hang out with that, that did that as well because you could always go around to them and say what was i doing well <laughs> i mean I don't think anybody wrote it down, but friends are always like, remember that time when you did whatever? And I'm like, no, I really don't. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Did I cause any trouble? Did I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. like. <laughs> and the answer was? I, I said, is it something I, I'll be able to tell my mother? <laughs> yeah, mm. right. I mean, I haven't, yeah. I, I've not gone to jail, so I guess I'm doing something right. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have gone to jail after a night out with a thrill kill cult. You probably, sure. well, yeah. <laughs> that's surprising that we never, as a band, got busted for yeah. for you know crimes against humanity or anything like that <laughs> we did have a we did have a tour bus driver who quit touring after us <laughs> you finished him off we we don't know what we did okay uh -oh. we can't figure it out but i guess the guy got really freaked out about something i don't know what it is yeah. because i think we're a pretty tame bunch yeah. <laughs> So when, is there any plans to have TKK on the road? Um, I don't know. I mean, you would have to ask um, Buzz and Groovy about that. Right. I know that, um, because, you know, because of COVID, everything was yeah. done. But I'm thinking maybe they'll want mm. to put together something for next year but I don't have any details. Okay. Yeah. When were you last out then? Was it just before lockdown or were you, was it like? Uh, well, I haven't done a full tour in like right. 10 years because I moved right. back to New York. So I would do shows here because mm. I couldn't, because, yep. you know, I had, um, I had a regular job, you know, I work in the, the cosmetics industry. So I had like a regular job and I couldn't just take off for extended yeah. amounts of time. So I would do shows here in New mm. York, like keep it local when, when the band is on tour. But um, the last one I did was, yeah, it was before lockdown. I think it might've been yeah. 2019 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while, but I would love to be back on the road. Like meeting all these new people every day. I like watching the road from the bus. You know, I just think it's fun. I love it. I think it's an adventure. Yes. And I'm 
yeah, I'm always up for an adventure. I like it because I can remember where I've been now. Yes. Yeah. I never used to. <laughs> Just kind of like, where am I? Am I? Am I really? Oh, I mean, what's it like? Can I stay here? I never wanted to go home. Now I want to go. I want to get home again. So, so it's a little priorities are a bit different. What I meant to tell you was, yeah. I well, when uh, when I was still in Los Angeles, I remember uh, the Banshees played at House of Blues, I think it was, and I was there with my band. Huh? I was, yeah, I was there with um, Mars and Frankie when we came to see you. Wow, was it the Banshees or the Creatures? I think it was the Banshees. I can't remember what year it was. It was like, House of Blues. Yeah, I think it was like two thousand and. Eight or something? That would be the creatures, I think. Was yeah. it the creatures? Because yeah, wasn't the Banshees yeah. last time when when I came to see you, and that was at the Wilton, right? We we because we stopped in '95 and came back in 2002, and then the creatures continued. And the creatures did a tour of House of Blues, and I sort of now remember that yeah. because I was there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going yeah. on. There usually is, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I and I've seen both creatures and the cure as a kid multiple times. Wow. And yeah, well, thank you. We we just, we just sort of thought we'd just combine forces and yes, and and sort of so we can reminisce together, you know, and just go. Yeah, that's basically what we do. We we reminisce together. Well, you know, if if Budgie can't remember something, I can. And if I don't know somebody, Budgie does. So you know, yeah. between the two of us, we're like a a, a whole human being. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been wonderful. Thanks for coming along and and being so so lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing. Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com. Or follow at Double Elvis on Instagram or at Double Elvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.